Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the lost to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. Well, praise God. Open your Bibles this morning. To the book of Psalms 119. That's where we're going to. That's going to be the bulk of our text this morning. And we're going to continue in this series. The ABCs of praise. Now I want you to look in Psalms 119 to start with. Because I wanted you to look once again. At the top in your Bible above each section. Psalms 119 is broken into Multiple sections. And what do you see there that you don't see anywhere else in the scripture? You see some words. Aleph. Bates. Or bets. Gemel. Dalets. Hey. Vop. Zayn, some of you, your Bible may say W-A-W. The, the letter Vav is not, you can't equate it just with the letter W or the letter V. Why? Why can you not just equate it with the English alphabet? Because it's so much more. See, the English alphabet is only, the, it, it, its whole purpose is to put words together so that you can communicate. It's for spelling. And some of us still aren't too good at spelling. I never was. I thank God for spell check. Come on. And long before Microsoft Word added grammar check, my wife was my grammar checker. Come on. (laughs) It's Vav, Zayn, Chait, Tzait, and Yod, and it goes on through the full Hebrew Aleph Beit. Well, why are those there and what do they mean? Why would the psalmist include those in these passages? Because unlike the English alphabet, the Hebrew Aleph Beit, or what you would call the alphabet, is so much more than just letters. So much more. And without getting into a bunch of, we're not going to get into uh, Jewish mysticism, but we are going to look at the origin of the Aleph Bet and its relationship to Adonai, to Yahweh. This morning, these next five, if we can get through them all, I'm going to go rather quickly, but I pray I'm going to break it down and make it very applicable to our walk with Christ and bring, bring it into context of the, of, of the whole of the word of God. That's my intent. It's not to just throw a bunch of intellectual words at you and Hebrew concepts. It's to bring it back to the scripture and what our relationship, our covenant with God and what he desires from us. That's what it's about. 
So don't lose, don't lose scope of that concept and that intent. This morning, these next five sections of Psalms 119 speak to us about the hand of God. Come on. Look at your hand. Look at it. Look at your neighbor's hand. Do they look similar? Do you see a pattern between your hand and somebody else's hand? Right? The hand of God. The historical interpretation starting with the letter Vav. Which actually starts in Psalms 119.41. The historical interpretation of this sixth letter of the Hebrew Aleph Beit speaks of the power of God in creation. Notice two things happened in creation. First, God spoke and things were created. But then God did something different than other than just speaking, which to speak requires his breath, right? It's hard to speak when you don't can't breathe. You know, it's like when I used to run the army PT test or something, man, I run, I come across that finish line and there'd be somebody come run up next to me. Hey, how you doing, uh, captain? I mean, can't, can't talk, can't breathe. I always, you know, just kind of them people that could just, you know, they were runners. They loved to run. I never, never loved self-inflicted pain. Come on. And they come run up to you and they're like, hey, how you doing? You know, we're coming around on mile two and they're like, can't talk. Don't talk to me. I gotta breathe. And you cross the finish line, you're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Some about that breath and speaking. That's why it's so important that you, you, you speak the things of God. Come on. But then God did something. He, did, he created something with his hands. What did he create with his hands? You. And then, rather than just speaking, he did something different. He could have created you with his hands from the dust of the earth and then stood back and spoke to the dirt, but he didn't. He, he breathed something from deep within him. Not just words from, his, from the mind of God, but something deeper than words alone. He breathed something that... that Thrust behind those words. Something deep within him. His breath. Come on. It's like finding somebody who needs CPR. And you put your, you, you take your breath and you breathe it into them. When they're not breathing. And it restores life. When you breathe into them. You're not just, do, you're doing what? You're, there's something in you. Who's, who's trying to. Survive, you know, help them survive and breathe and sustain life. Right? So it's a it's it's about something more that God did there. 
It's a single line of light from the infinite source of all that exists, who is God Almighty Himself. In fact, y'all are all familiar with Genesis 1.1? It says, in the beginning, watch this. We're talking about the word Vav here, the letter Vav. In the beginning, God created the heavens, everybody say, and. See, that's just a simple little word, a little conjunction word. And we just skip right over there because we think, well, that's got to be there to, to continue something, to connect. What is it doing? What's it doing? God created the heavens and the earth. See, that word there is so much more than, than what we perceive in the English context. The word there is so much more. According to Rabbi Ginsberg, this property of the letter Vav in its usage in Hebrew is referred to as Vav Hachaber, or the Vav of connection. Heaven and earth were both created by the Word of God. And when they were created, there was something that connected the two. And it's not just a vav in the word and. It's the intent of God. Oh, come on. Come on. Is the word coming alive for you for a minute? I mean, we just hit Genesis 1-1. I'm telling you, I've learned, man, if you dig, there's so much. Just in Genesis chapter 1, you could preach for years. And continue to discover the depths of God and the understanding. Heaven and earth. The Vav of connection and... Now, now watch this. The first Vav of the Torah found in Genesis 1-1 here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Serves to join spirit and matter. Heaven and the earth throughout creation. So as the psalmist speaks here in Psalms 119.41 through 48. As he speaks of the steadfast love and the promise of his salvation... He thrust in the eternal word of God. He's, he's thrust into this eternal word of God. And in this, he walks halak, his lifestyle. He returns to God. Love. Love for God. Love for God's commandments or his mitzvah. And in serving God, everybody serving, say serving. And in serving God according to His ways, heaven and earth are connected by the power of the love of God Almighty. Now, He creates heaven and earth. You see the connection. Genesis 1-3. And God said, watch this, let there be light. And everybody say the next word. And there was light. Let there be light. And there was light. First there was no light. Then there was light. The future was that there would be light. The past was that there was no light. But then and. By the mouth of God. Suddenly. What was the future now becomes the past. And the past is brought into the future. Are y'all seeing this? In Hebrew, the Vav serves the function 
of inversion. It inverts the apparent tense of a verb to its opposite. I was a sinner. I'm a sinner no more. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Are y'all getting this? What was the future becomes the past. And when coming from the mouth of God, from Adonai, what was not becomes what is and shall be. Come on. Are y'all seeing this? See, this takes confession to a whole nother level. It's more, it's not, it's about not, it's not about name it, claim it. Mm, God, I'm going to get that new Mercedes. Shabababababa. Oh, no, 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 no. It's much deeper than that. That, that, you ain't even understanding the word. Come on. It's about talking about, hey, my children aren't serving the Lord, but God says. They are, they are not, but they will be. Amen. Just as God said, let there be light. There was no light, but there was when God said it. There was no light and God said, let there be light and there was light. <laughs> Come on. I was addicted. I was lost. I was depressed. I was whatever. But God said, and there was a change. And what was, was inverted. And what was not, now is. Because that's the way God works. Come on. What was not, now becomes what is and shall be. In Genesis, there was nothing but darkness. And God said. And there was light. See, this power from the mouth of God. See, sometimes with confession, we put the power in our mouth. Oh, if I confess it, if I say it, the power ain't in your mouth. My goodness, if God was to assess what's in your mouth, oh, we'd be in trouble. (laughs) You need some spiritual antibiotics. Come on. Some serious spiritual mouthwash. No, no, no. It's, it's what? What came out of God's mouth? It's His Word. Come on. That's why He said, the psalmist said, I, I don't want your word to depart from my mouth. What He didn't, He didn't, He wasn't saying that it wouldn't come out of my mouth. It's, he's saying that it would not, it would only be, it would be the only thing on my, in my mouth. And I wouldn't speak other things that are contrary to your word. So the power from the mouth of God to draw from the future into the past is the essence. Are you grabbing this? The power from the mouth of God to draw from the future into the past is the essence of teshuvah. Repentance and turning back to God. What I was is not who I am. And what God desired for me to be, I I now have become. Or I'm being molded and shaped into. It's the essence of Teshuvah, repentance and turning back to God. Because of His great love. 
And when one returns to God because of love, when one returns to God, his heart, because of love, the desire to close the gap in the relationship becomes the kavanah, the motivation for running back to Him with a greater passion than ever before. Hallelujah. Come on, folks, there's hope in that right there. You've got loved ones who've walked away. There's hope in that right there. That from the mouth of God, there's a way to take the present and grab from the future, bring it into the present, and the present becomes the past, and the future becomes the present. By the Word of God. And their heart is turned and they have a deeper love than they had before. Oh, Bakanda. Man, I could stop right there. That's a sermon. That's the Word of God right there. That's hope. There's so much hope in that. But I got too many more notes. We're going to keep going. Come on. John 14, 6. I just... Where's Joshua? I just broke a homiletical rule there, Joshua. Amen. John 14, 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in the beginning, John 1, 1 through 5, it's all this together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Come on. This is that vibe. Past becoming present, present, future, future, present, past. You know why? Because God is outside of all that. See, we're still struggling down here in past and present and future. And we're dealing with all these different tenses in concept or in context of our daily life and, and our hopes and, and everything else. God's way above that, y'all. He's way outside that. That's what makes him God. Well, that's one of the things that makes him God. Amen? Amen. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life. And the life, the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness, even until 2022, the darkness has not overcome the light. It is not. Nor will it ever. Let me tell you something. The only way the darkness overcomes the light in your house is either your light bulb's out and you flip the switch and there's still nothing but darkness. What, why is there still darkness when you flip the switch? Because your bulb's out. You done burnt the bulb. Come on, your bulb's burnt out. Get a new bulb. <laughs> or there's something wrong with your electricity. Angie and I, there's something wrong with the light in our bedroom. It's connected to Julia's light. It's connected to the light in the bathroom, which is connected to a GFI switch. And somewhere, something's not grounded right. And so sometimes we'd be in there and all of a sudden the light flickers. It's not a poltergeist. Not a ghost. Something's not grounded right. Come on. When the light is flickering in your life, 
Sometimes they're light. Sometimes they're not light. Sometimes the darkness slips in. It slips out. Somewhere, you're not grounded. You're not grounded in the Word. Come on. So in relation to Jesus Christ, the Vav represents absolute truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light. The truth that laid the foundations of the earth, that's what John's talking about. It holds all things together. I mean, you know, a lie can hold nothing, for it sooner or later crumbles. Sooner or later, a lie will fall apart. And if you're living a complete lie or a half-truth, your life and peace cannot be sustained. Because moral compromise, hear me, moral compromise is always unsustainable. Can I get an amen? Moral compromise is always unsustainable. Truth is the only sure foundation. There is and can be only one truth that holds all things together. You must build your entire life on nothing but the truth and the whole truth. So help me God. Amen. This is why this is the only way to stay connected to the Father. The word vav I put it in the, in the text, in the English text, V-A-V, or in your Bible, W-A-W. <laughs> I would say that means a win and a win. <laughs> victory and victory. When you are connected to the Father, to the Lord. Come on. The Vob means a hook or a nail. The curtains of the tabernacle were suspended to pillars by hooks. The coverings and the walls were anchored to the ground with nails. Vav. These represent... Our, well, you say, well, what relevance is that? Hooks and nails. Because with the things of God, the tabernacle, everything was holy. Even the hooks and the nails, the only one that could touch them were who? A priest. Lest somebody die. So God was so serious about worship and relationship to him. That he, even the nails that they drove in the ground to hold the tent up. He counted them as holy. 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 What do we, look at all the things we take for granted. That God has given us that we take for granted and do not. Put them in the category of holy. Because anything that we're not counting holy, we haven't given to God. See, these represent our connection to God. Our staying grounded, anchored, connected, sustained through the revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ. Who, by the way, was hung by what? Nails. On a tree for your redemption. See, it all comes together. There's nothing in God that's just happen chance. Flippant. 
First John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, in Hebrew, the word law is the word hok or H-O-Q, hok, hok. Boy, see, my deep southern Arkansas sounds like incredible hok, hok. That's why I got to spell it out for you. <laughs> it's like my little nephew the other day. His birthday's coming up. He wants a, he was saying, I want a cowboy party. I said, a what? He said, I'm going to be a cowboy. I said, you mean you're going to run around on the football field and keep, keep up with the towel? No, a cowboy. You know, ride a horse. Oh, a cowboy. Okay. Cowboy. But the Hebrew word for law relates to man's law most often, unless it specifically says the law of God. But it comes from the root hachak, meaning, watch this, to engrave. So when the law of God, relative to the law of God, when these engraved letters, I'm talking about the law of God, not just a, 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 a letter here and there. I'm talking about the, the, the totality of the law of God. When it's written or engraved on our hearts, they point, it points us to the will of God. It's then that the revelation of God becomes truth in our hearts. And he, as he desired from the beginning, when he said, I am God, you're God. Come on. The Torah of the law of God, uh, Rabbi Ginsburg says, the Torah of the law of God is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of God is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of God are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments or the mitzvah of God are bright, enlightening the eyes. That's what Jesus, why he said, I have come to open blinded eyes. And the fear of God is pure, enduring forever. And the judgments of God are true and righteous altogether. See, the law of God links us to the will of God. This is the essence of Vav HaChabar or the connecting of our past and our future to the will of God. That's why God just doesn't want you just to embrace the future and the plans He has for you. He also wants you to surrender the past. Not just shove it back in a corner. But, but say, here it is, God. See, our past is forgiven, but the amazing and redeeming work of God is remembered with a thankful heart. So that we can look back and remember where God brought us from and where He's brought us to. I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. See, otherwise, we just, we look at and we take for granted being found because we forgot that one day we were lost. And if you ever get lost in the wrong place, you will remember it. <laughs> Especially somewhere like Memphis. <laughs> Come on. 
You don't want to be lost in the wrong place. See, we are then given a clean slate and a new future. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, but to give you a future and hope. See, the word of God links us in relationship to him like a covenant marriage relationship. And let me say, between a biological man and a biological woman. See, preachers didn't have to use to specify. But now we got to specify. A biological man and a biological woman. Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man, a biological man, <laughs> shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast, cling to, what is it, Blakely? Debach. Hold fast to his wife. Everybody say his wife. His wife, not somebody else's. Just for clarification. And they shall become echad. One, what? Flesh. Nish, nishama. One, one in the will of God. What does that mean? They shall become one in the will of God. That's why until you become one in marriage covenant, you cannot be in the will of God. It's right there. Tradition states that God wrote the first set of tablets by his hand or his yud, yod, using his single finger or the finger upon which a Jewish bride accepts her betrothal ring. Look with me, Psalms 119, 41 through 48. With this understanding, let's read the psalm. Let your steadfast love, come on, what kind of love? Steadfast, that means covenant love. Come on. Come to me, O Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. What's a promise? That which was spoken by the mouth of God. Are you seeing this? Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word. Vav. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. In other words, let it always be there, God. For my hope is in your rules, your mitzvot, your commands. And I will keep your Torah, your law, continually forever and ever. And I shall walk halak. My whole life shall be in a wide place. For I have sought your precepts. And I will also speak of your testimony before kings and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight, my desire, my passion in your commandments, which I what? I love. What's he doing? I'm returning love. I'm returning the love of the Father. Back to the to the Lord. I will lift up my what? My vob, my hands toward your commandments, which I love. And I will hagah, hagah, I shall meditate on your statutes. Which brings us to the letter Zayin. The initial letter, watch this. The initial letter of the word Zakar, which means male, biological male. And Nechubah, which means female, spell the word Zan. 
Which means in Hebrew, species or gender. Interesting, isn't it? That from the very Hebrew words, male and female, together they spell the word species or gender. See, God had it. God knew what He was doing. Everybody say design. Say, I'm a design. In a design. In God's design. In a design. Doing what I was designed to do. Becoming who I was designed to become. Amen? It was all a plan. Thus, in both its form and its name, the letter Zayn represents the covenant marital relationship of, the, of a man to his wife as in Genesis. So its root word also means that which sustains in the context of being a support in one's life. What does that mean? The husband and wife together in covenant relationship with God as the essence of their marriage. Come on. Support one another. Encourage, lift, sustain one another in life. So then you can see and understand why Ha-Satan, Slewfoot, old serpent, why he seeks to pervert Not just marriage. See, it wasn't enough that the enemy pervert marriage. He has to pervert gender. He couldn't stop at perverting and destroying marriage. He's got to confuse gender. You understand what's happening? Because we fight not against flesh and blood, do we? Come on. Spiritual battle happening here. As well, the form of the Zayn resembles both a golden scepter and a crown on the head of a king. Thus, as stated of the wife in Proverbs 12.4. It says an excellent wife. Everybody say an excellent wife. How many excellent wives we got in here? Woody's pointing at his wife. She's taking notes. Come on. Excellent wife. An excellent wife. How many of you want to be an excellent wife? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to me. It says an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. So let me just just make this public. Are you ready? Let me tell you that my bones are healthy. And I'm blessed with the most excellent wife. And I might add, if you are blessed to get a borrowed girl as a wife, I better get an amen, James. If you are blessed to get a borrowed girl as a wife, you have a most precious crown. That is true. In fact, there's lots of young women in here. I could go down the list. There's two sitting over there. There's one sitting over there. There's one right there. One right there. Precious crowns. Precious crowns. You're a precious crown. Hear that? Jada, you're a precious crown. Cindy, you're a precious crown. Don't ever let anybody, nothing, even your own mind, tell you you're anything less than a precious crown. By God. Noah, 
When you're looking for a, for a wife, look for a precious crown. Look for a precious crown. Amen? There's one precious crown over there. We got a room full of precious crowns. Bridget's a precious crown. Come on. All of you. You're a precious crown. The word Zan also, it means, the word itself means weapon. Especially a sword. The sword is a weapon. But it was also used to cut bread on the battlefield. Jesus was the bread of life, was He not? And He was pierced with what? With a sword. As the water from His side flowed, doing what? It, for the cleansing. Come on. The blood and the water from His body. Cleansing of your sins. The shedding of His blood. See, the sages taught that each day when we say, Holy, Holy, Holy. Is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled. And full of his glory. When we do that. We make crowns. The, the, the rabbis used to teach. We make crowns. Three crowns. Holy. 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 Three crowns for God. God keeps one crown. And returns two to us. The two are that we might hear. And do. The will of God. Corresponding to the revelation of infinite and unconditional love for God. And so in this, we become fitting vessels. Able to experience God's sanctity. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm sanctified. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Know what that means. <laughs> it means you've been made holy. You've been clean. Made clean. Colossians 1.27 puts it this way. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, now you got a better understanding. It has been said that the candle of God is the soul of man. You thus are to be the light of Christ to the world. See, Edison, they, they only related to a candle because Edison had not invented the light bulb yet. Or if he was even the one that invented it. That's questionable. John 8, 12 says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have what? The light of life. Matthew 5.14 goes further to say, <clears throat> You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Which brings us to the letter Chet. Chet is the letter of life. And from the root Chet, and we see this is significant to this word for life, it's the letter Chet. We see its source in Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face, the panim of the deep. And the Ruach, the Ruach, the Spirit of God was hovering. Everybody say hovering. Over the face of the waters. 
Now, so many times we've read that verse and what pops in your mind when you, you, when you visualize, because words create images, don't they? In our minds. And, and so what happens is we create this image of God hovering like an evil eagle hovering and soaring up in the air or like smoke or a mist hovering over the ground. Ah. No, no, no. It's more than that. God wasn't just in a holding pattern. <laughs> Come on. He wasn't hovering in a holding pattern waiting for something to happen. Come on. The sages taught that the Vav and the Zayn from the mouth of God when He spoke in creation, these, the, the power of God's words come together in past and future. We just talked about that, right? Creating the hovering of the Spirit of God over the face of the deep. So they believe that the power of God through His hovering Spirit referred to the soul of Meshiach. Where's Meshiach? The name of... The living name of Messiah. Woo! Are you getting it? Did it click? When it says in Genesis that the Spirit of God, Ruach, hovered over the face of the deep. What was that? That was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. He was there. (laughs) And what did we read in John? Nothing that was created was not was created by him. Wasn't in a holding pattern. There was something happening. Come on. What was not was becoming what is. That's why he is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ever. How can that be? I'm job actually explaining it to you. Wow. The living name. The Bible says that when God breathed into man, unlike anything else that was created, he became a living soul. What was breathed into you? What was lost when you sinned? Jesus. What was sent back to redeem you? Jesus. Man. Why am I, me and Brian, the only two getting excited? I don't know. Come on. This is all making sense. The living name. Thus the psalmist states in Psalms 119.57, The Lord, Adonai, is my portion. I promise. See, he says, the Lord is my portion. And what? I promise to do what? In other words, I speak a covenant. To do what? To keep, to guard your word. Jesus. <laughs> Woo! The word chait means both life. Watch this. The word chait means, means both life and fear. As in the fear of God. Life and fear are related. 
It's like many Christians struggle with trying to reconcile the love of God and the justice of God. We want a, we want a loving God, but not a just God. Uh, you can't separate the two. That's a whole other sermon. Same here. We want the life of God, but we don't want to fear God. We don't want the fear of God. What's this? Proverbs 19.23 says what? The fear of the Lord leads to what? The fear, hate, leads to hate. The fear of the Lord leads to the life of the Lord. And whoever has it, rest satisfied. And he will not be visited by harm. So let me put it to you this way. The fear of the Lord leads to or is the source of life. You can't separate the life of the Lord from fear of the Lord. Wow. Psalms 119.64 The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me, teach me your statutes. His steadfast, see, you, you have no desire for God to teach you His statutes if so many times we don't want God to teach you. We really don't want Him to teach us His statutes because they might contradict with our own plans. Our own desires. They might confront the way I'm living. They might confront my way of thinking. But his steadfast love and statutes lead the Psalms in 119, the psalmist, to be expressed in the essence of the next letter, Tate. See, one leads into the other. The Tate is the first letter of the word Tov. Yetzar Ha Tov. Which is what? Good. Remember? In the garden, you were created with an equal balance of Yetzar Hatov and Yetzar Hara, that which is the inclination to evil. So that you might make a choice and choose God, who is good. Come on. And there's no good without God. And when there's no good, when there's no good, what's left? Evil. It's like where there's no light, there's darkness. So the Tate, the first letter of the word Tov, which means good. In Genesis chapter 1, God created the light and saw that it was good. Hatov. The Tate resembles a vessel with an inverted rim, a vessel containing the blessing of peace. Peace is the only vessel capable of containing a blessing. As in the priestly blessing, he shall grant you peace. See, apart from the peace of God, you can't know the blessings of God. There's no blessing in chaos. <laughs> Come on. We were given a choice between good and evil. The only real goodness comes from God. And all that was good came from God. But man chose that which was not good. And God then gave us His covenant way. And again, giving us a choice between life and death. Righteousness and unrighteousness. Thus the psalmist declares in Psalms 119, 65 through 68. Look there with me. You have dealt with your servant. See, only a servant lets God deal with him. Come on. A son, daughter, 
Oh Lord, according to your word, teach me your good judgment and your knowledge. For I believe, I believe. Don't tell me you believe something if you're not living it. He says, I believe in your commandments, your mitzvah. And before I was afflicted, I was astray. See, I once was lost. But now I keep your word. But now I'm found. You are good and you do good. So teach me your statutes. In other words, teach me your goodness. The ways of your goodness, O Lord. In Psalms 119.72, he says this. He speaks of the law of God's mouth. The Tate in Hebrew is often considered relative to the nine months of pregnancy. How many, anybody experienced that? It reflects the divine design process of that which grows within. Thus, what is in the innermost being grows. Or what's in your heart grows. And it will be revealed in due time. What are you talking about, Pastor? Let me break it down for you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He says to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good? Yes, When you are, yes, you are evil. What's he talking about? Their innermost being. Their kavanah, their motives. For out of the abundance of the, what? The neshama, the innermost being, the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. Joshua 1.8, he says this. This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. In other words, it'll be the only thing in my mouth, nothing else. But you see, in other words, to depart means I've replaced it with something else. Are you hearing me? But you shall meditate, Haggah. In other words, not, um, we're not talking about Yoda here. Star Wars, some pantheistic thing. Talking about that which molds and shapes the way I think, my values, my beliefs, my actions, my choices, my decisions. I will meditate on it day and night and everything in between so that you may be that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This brings us to our final letter in this session. Oh, hallelujah. I might just make it through this thing today. I know I've been moving kind of fast, but is this are you getting this? Is this good stuff? Sometimes I, I, I gotta I gotta try to balance between preaching over everybody's head and and, and be it. I want to bring it home. I want to bring it something you can take home and chew on. Amen. Yeah. It's kind of like them little uh, uh, little wafers we do at communion. Long after we've done communion and service is over, and you're walking out the door, you're still sucking on your teeth, getting that bread out. <laughs> Come on, gotta go to my truck and get a toothpick. Come on, I want you to chew on this for days. This good stuff. Here we go. Psalms 119 brings us to the final letter in this session, the letter Yod. Because we were talking about, we started talking about what? The hand of God in creation from beginning. And this section of Psalms 119 begins with this. Psalms 119.73 says, you're what? 
Your hands, your yod. Everybody look at your hands and say, that's a yod. Come on. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Are you putting this together? His commandments and your fashioning. Your identity, your destiny, your purpose. Created in the likeness and the image of God the Salim and the Demuth. His commandments. When do you understand? In Genesis 1, when God said, let there be. As soon as God said, there was command. There was command. There was law. Everything was put in order. What does law do? It brings order. It establishes authority. Come on. It sets boundaries and expectations. So when God said, there was law. His law. That's why your worldview, every aspect of your worldview has to begin and end with this. In the beginning, God. God what? God said. That's it. That has to be your whole worldview. Well, what do you believe about this? God said. You come ask me something about, well, what about this or that? Some moral issues, some values, some principles. First thing I want to say is, what did God say? Well, I want your opinion. Well, my opinion ain't worth anything. (laughs) We need to look at what? What God said. Because that's the beginning and the end and everything in between of my world view. Wow. The letter Yod holds the numerical value of ten. There were how many commandments? Ten. There were how many plagues used to deliver Israel from Egypt? Ten. There are ten days of repentance leading up to Yom Kippur. The rabbi stated that there were ten utterances of creation. Look at your fingers. Look at your hands. How many were you given at birth? Ten. Is that just... God just thought that was a pretty good number? Why not twelve? I'm not talking about exceptions and abnormalities. I'm talking about the, the, the foundational pattern of God's design of a human being is what? Ten. Why? Ten, how many toes you got? Ten, is it coincidental you got ten toes and ten fingers? I mean, who come up with this idea? I mean, if it had been me, I might have said, hey, twelve's better because then you got two extra. I don't know. Play a twelve-string guitar better. I don't know. Why 10? For a reason. Throughout the book of Leviticus, God states this. The 10th shall be holy. What does that mean? How does that apply to me? You are to be holy. Your hands, your feet. That's why we are to be His hands and His feet. 
I don't care if you got ten fingers or you only got seven. I don't care. You are to be holy. Every part, if you got an extra finger. I, I know a guy, we wonderful friend of ours, who has three thumbs. Guess what? They're all holy to God. He was born with an extra thumb. Guess what? He extra holy. I guess. I don't know. Now, the whole point is this. Every part of your being is to be holy to God. Everything in your life, everything you do, and you're not to treat any of it as mundane. But everything's to be holy to God. It is said that the yoj shape is the forming point, creating a path by which man should live. As such, the psalmist declares in Psalms 119.74, Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. The word yod means a hand or to thrust. A hand that's thrust, that's doing something, it's actively engaged. It's not idle. Come on. Let me tell you something. Idle hands... Lead to bad choices. Psalms 119.77 Let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. From the root yada, not yada, yada means to thrust or derives the meaning ha yada, meaning to give thanks. See, because you give thanks when you have this knowledge of the goodness of God. You're compelled to be thankful. There's increasing knowledge of God in a thankful heart. And after extending one's hand to receive, one must thrust in return one's expression of what? Thank you. When somebody does something good for you, what's what's the inclination of a thankful heart? To say what? Thank you. To reach out the hand and embrace somebody else's hand and say thank you. Thank you. You might go further and draw them in for a hug. And say thank you. Thank you. To thank is in turn related to the word splendor or majesty. And so in giving, one's th- in giving thanks, one echoes and reveals the goodly intentions of the giver, which was previously hidden in the act of giving. In Hebrew, to thank implies the acknowledgement of truth. In other words, I have I see good in you. You've done good. Thank you. You've done good to me. Thank you. And so you acknowledge truth. And the word close friend is actually the word hand twice. Yod, yod. Yod, yod is the word hand. This can be seen to symbolize friendship as two companions do what? Shake hands. Which is an essence of a covenant. And the extended hand of each friend to his companion is the secret. Watch this. It's the secret of the extension of the soul's power of Malkut, which is kingdom. The kingdom of God. When you do good and you're grateful and you're thankful and you see the good and you acknowledge the truth, guess what you're doing? Your kingdom building. You're also exercising the role of a priest. Watch this. The root it, it, it personified. It is personified by King David, whose name David means lover. 
Numerically, it equals the yod, the hand, the root of malkut or kingdom, which means to the will of taking counsel. So let me bring it together. Giving one's hand to another is interpreted in the book of Ezra to mean promising to follow one's advice, one's counsel. Thus, to be a part of God's kingdom, one must make him the lover of their soul and be one who lives by the counsel of the word of God. It all comes to So we're going to close with this. God's hand is unlimited. How many of you know that? God's hand is unlimited and and restrained by no one. So his hand alone sustains all of creation. And when you engage, listen to me. If you didn't hear anything else I said today, grab hold of this. When you engage in acts of loving kindness... You are demonstrating the power of the yod or the hand of God. Kingdom building. Truth then has pushed back a lie and light has overcome darkness. When you show love and kindness. Even to your enemies. See why Jesus said, love even your enemies. Those who hate you, those who despise you, do good to them. Why? He said, even when you do good, you against your, those who hate you and speak evil, when you do good, you heap coals upon their head. Why? You are exercising, you're extending the hand of God. Listen to this. In charity, because you have exercised your kingdom role of a koanim, a priest, you have shook the hand. Are you hearing me? When you show loving kindness. Anybody can love those who love you back, Jesus said. But what about those who are hard to love? That's why Jesus, why did Jesus come and love the sinner? And showed his love, the love of the Father, to the most wretched. Why did Paul become so passionate about the word and the law and the things of God? Because he was such a wretched man. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I was the chief of sinners. But you know what? Loving kindness. The hand of God was extended to him. And he, because somebody shook hands with God. Come on. Come on. I end with this verse. John 13, 35. He puts it best. By this. See, nobody can put it better than Jesus, right? By this, all people will know. They will, yeah, die. They'll have knowledge, intimate knowledge. By this what? By this, how many people? All people. Good people, bad people, ugly people. All people will, yeah, die, have this intimate knowledge that you are my Thou me, my disciples, if you have what? Love for one another.
Come on. Extend that. Be the hand of God. Stand with me, if you will. Be the hand of God. Step into your role as a priest. Be the light. Be the hand of God. Come on. We are the body of Christ. Come on. And if the church would be as passionate, we shouldn't have, listen folks, we shouldn't have to have six months of evangelism explosion classes for you to get motivated about saving the lost. You shouldn't have to sit through 15 lectures of contagious Christianity for you to have a desire, the very essence of the desire of Father's heart, of Jesus' sacrifice. You shouldn't have to sit through 15 contagious Christianity lectures to be motivated and stirred to go be the hand of God. Come on. Let not your heart be hardened. But keep it broken before Jesus. Come on, tell Him this morning. Lord, make me your hand. Make me your hand. As David Declared in the Psalms. Lord, write your write your law upon my heart. And I desire such a relationship of covenant. Lord, that I might go and be, go and be your hands and feet to the lost. To the lost, God. For I too, let me never forget, God. That I once was lost. I too once was lost. But because of your your word, your power, you put an and in there. That my, my life and my purpose was not finished. You added a conjunction in there. An and. There is Marvin. I formed and fashioned him for a purpose. And I am faithful to complete. Come on. That what y'all called to do. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord in surrender. And say, Lord, these hands are yours. Yes, God. Yes, God. Let them not be idle. Yes, God. Let them not attend to worthless things. But in all that I do, may it be excellent. And bring you glory. And do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as we leave in worship this morning. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. And what? And be gracious. Extend His grace to you.
And may he turn his face towards you and give you, grant to you what? Peace. Peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Let's worship as we leave.